0: Thank you, Sister Val. What a privilege it is to be in the house this morning. Amen. You all felt, felt the Spirit of God here this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to welcome Him and open up our hearts. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that You would anoint me today, that You will come upon me today, that I might teach and preach Your message today under Your anointing and under Your inspiration. Open up the hearts of the people, Lord, that they may receive and have faith for today to believe. For the miracles, Lord, in their lives. believe for healing, deliverance. Lord, for their marriages, for their children. Father, we pray and we ask all these things because we know that you are the mighty God. And there is nothing impossible with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I'd like to thank Val for doing a great introduction on, (coughs) on Esther this morning. I feel like I can sit down already. (laughs) Esther 7, 1 through 10. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. On this second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, Tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half of the kingdom. Queen Esther replied If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people would be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet, for that would be too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing, King Xerxes demanded. Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Esther replied, This wicked man Haman is our adversary and our enemy. And Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. Then the king jumped to his feet in a rage and went out into the palace garden. Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther, for he knew that the king intended to kill him. In despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining, and just as the king was returning from the palace garden, the king exclaimed, will we even assault the queen right here in the palace before my very eyes? And as soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. And then Arbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, Haman has set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall in his own courtyard. He intended to use this to impale to Mordecai, the man who saved the king from assassination. Then impale Haman on it, the king ordered. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. like to talk this morning about Haman a little bit. Um, Haman, the Bible says, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, a descendant of King Agag of the Amalekites, so we see that Haman uh, was part of the descendant of Agag, who was an Amalekite, and let me see if I can get to Samuel. And you know that um, Israel had a, had a big fall, falling out with the uh, Amalekites. You know the story of um, 1 Samuel 15, 1 to 33. God was really angry um, with, with, um, with Saul because God had um, told Samuel to tell Saul to go ahead and to kill um, All of the livestock, all of the men, all of the women, and all of the children of the Amalekites to utterly destroy them. And we can go ahead and and read that a little bit. Starting at 1 Samuel 51. One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king um, of this people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telaim. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites, and they lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Canaanites, Move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all of the people of Israel when they came, up, out, came out from Egypt. So the Canaanites, the Canaanites packed up and left. And Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the descendant um, of uh, um, Agag, uh, Haman. He captured Ag- Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared, spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep. And goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I've ever made Saul king. For he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night long. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. And someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. And then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's commandment. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear, Samuel demanded. It is true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Samuel admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. And then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul Saul, um, asked. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission And told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Which was a lie, because now you have a descendant of King Agag, the man Haman. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, plunder, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of lambs. Rebellion is is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now please forgive, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you since you have rejected the Lord's command He has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back, and he tore the hem of the robe. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else who is better than you. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. And Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring King Agag to me. And Agag arrived full of hope, for he thought, Surely the worst is over, and I have been spared. But Samuel said... As your sword has killed the sons of many mothers, now your mother will be childless. And Samuel cut Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. So, if Samuel had obeyed the Lord, this thing which happened in um, Persia would have never happened to the Jews. But because of his failure to follow God's instruction to the T and obey the voice of the Lord, the children of Israel... I was persecuted by a man named Haman, a descendant of King Agag. I thought maybe you would like to know that. It was very interesting. Okay. So Haman's plan of annihilation and destruction for the Jews was his retaliation for 1 Samuel 15, 1 to 33. I'd like to talk about Mordecai now. Mordecai, who was strong in the law of his God. I like that. Mordecai. Mordecai was strong in the Lord of his God. And, you know, I, I try to, um, I try to uh, put myself in Mordecai's place. And I wish that, um, that I could be just like Mordecai. But instead of being strong in the law of God, I want to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mordecai, who was strong in the law of his God and was of the same spirit as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrews? They would not bow to the image of Of Nebuchadnezzar that he made. And although King Asuharis. Or Xerxes. Commanded all subjects of his kingdom. To bow before Haman. Mordecai would not. Mordecai would not. He was strong in the law of his God. And this is what led. To the Jews persecution. Nothing else. When Mordecai failed to bow, and Haman learned of his ancestry, then he devised a plan to destroy and kill all of the Jews on the earth. So, as we see in the book of Esther, God is always faithful. When we stand our ground and not give in to the pressures of our enemies, but only bow to the Lordship of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.14 4, 2, tells us, God always causes us to triumph in Christ. Remember that. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Don't bow to Haman. God will always cause you to triumph in Christ. Remember, you always win. 1 Corinthians 10.13 When we bow only to the Lordship of Jesus, he makes a way for us to escape. The way God made for the Jews to escape was by putting the fear of the Jews in their enemies' hearts. The battle was already won before it was even started. When we bow, Isaiah 54, 17 says that when we bow only to the Lordship of Jesus, no weapon of our enemy which is formed against us Will prosper the gallows that were meant for Mordecai to hang from, Haman and his ten sons hung from. When we bow only to the Lordship of Jesus, Mark 13:11 says that he gives us the wisdom to speak the right things in the presence of our enemies. In the presence of Haman, Hadassah, queen of Persia, was filled with wisdom to devise a plan to expose Haman's plot to kill Mordecai and to destroy the Jews. The end result was victory and the Jews won over their enemies. Not one Jew, not one Jew died in Susa. Not one Jew died in all of the provinces, provinces in Persia. But Haman and his 10 sons, along with 75,800 enemies of the Jews, died in a matter of two days. So remember, stand your ground. Don't you dare bow to Haman. Don't you dare bow to Herod. Don't you dare bow to Hitler. If you bow only to the Lordship of Jesus, God, Will fight for you. Your Haman might be a troubled child. Your Haman might be a marriage that is failing. Your Haman might be an addiction. Your Haman might be poverty. Your Haman might be a sickness or a disease. And Haman is telling you, you're not gonna make it. I've arranged for your death. And destruction. Don't you dare bow. Haman is a liar. If he wanted to kill you, he would have done it long time ago. But the fact is, he can't. He has no power over you. You are in Jesus where righteousness and life reigns. God has already made a way for us. And that way is through the sacrificial death of Jesus, his son. Jesus paid it for us in full. At the cross. Through his atonement. He not only covers our sins. But he gives us access by faith in Jesus. To everything that we need for our life and godliness. When we manifest faith in Jesus. God does something. God begins to move faith in jesus is the only thing that moves god the father and god the holy spirit god the father and god the holy spirit would not move without faith anchored in jesus When we manifest faith in Jesus, God legally binds himself to help us. God binds himself to help us through a law that he created. And the law is the law of the spirit of life that is in Jesus, which makes us free. From the law of sin and death, we are no longer in the first Adam, through which sin and death reigns, but we are in the second Adam. Can you say praise God? We are in the second Adam, Jesus Christ, where righteousness and life reigns. The Bible says in Romans 5 17, For if by one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So don't bow to Haman, let's place our faith in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will bring about the promise of God to us within the framework of the cross. Let us only believe and bow down to Jesus. Amen. That is my message for today.